Hello everyone, I'm Paris Fox and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox hosted by Richard Lummis. What makes a great leader? Is it genetic or can you learn leadership skills? Join Tom Fox and Richard Lummis in this podcast where they consider leadership from a wide variety of perspectives, academic, behavioral science, history, popular culture, the movies, and much more. You'll learn about specific tactics and strategies that you can bring to your own leadership toolkit. 12 O'Clock High is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this podcast, we consider leadership lessons from the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, talk about his book, Meditations, and our love for Edward Gibbons, The Fall of the Roman Empire. Hello, this is Richard Lummis. I'm here with Tom Fox for another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast about leadership. In these discussions, we draw what we hope are interesting examples from our own experiences, from history, business, literature, and politics, to examine what constitutes good leadership and extract lessons we can use to improve our own leadership skills. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Richard. Today, we're going back pretty far in time for our subject, the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius. He's probably best known today as played by Richard Harris in the movie Gladiator. But he was one of he was the last of the five good emperors, starting with Nerva in 96 AD and ending with Marcus Aurelius's death in 180. It's regarded by many historians as the high water mark of the Roman Empire. I'd like to give a brief shout out to Tom for picking this topic because it got me to pick up my copy of Edward Gibbon's History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire again. I'd forgotten how delightful a prose is and also the depth of knowledge of Roman and Greek history that he simply assumes his readers are familiar with is pretty humbling. Um, Also, for many years, I kept a copy of Meditations uh, by Marcus Aurelius by my bedside and would dip into it uh, at regular intervals. It's, It's worth a look. Anyway, according to Gibbon, if a man were called to fix the period in the history of the world during which the condition of the human race was most happy and prosperous, he would, without hesitation, name that which elapsed from the death of Domitian to the accession of Commodus, which, of course, ended with uh, Marcus Aurelius's death. He was the adopted son of the Emperor Antoninus Pius, and he had embraced the rigid system of the Stoics at the age of 12. Uh, Antoninus Pius had also adopted uh, Lucius Aurelius Verus, who Gibbon refers to as a gay and voluptuous nobleman, amongst many uh, intimations that Antoninus Pius was homosexual. Uh, But upon Antoninus Pius's death in 161 AD, Aurelius and Verus became co-emperors for the first but far from the last time in Roman history. According to Wikipedia, the Senate had planned to confirm Marcus alone, but he refused to take office unless Lucius received equal powers. The Senate accepted and granted Lucius the imperium, the tribunician power, and the name of Augustus. But in spite of their nominal equality, Marcus held more authority than Lucius in that he had been a consul once more, he had shared in ruling with Antoninus Pius, and he alone was named Pontifex Maximus. So it was clear to the public which emperor was the more senior. Um, In Gibbon's phrasing, among the many vices of the younger Verus, he possessed one virtue, a dutiful reverence for his wiser colleague to whom he willingly abandoned the ruder cares of empire. The philosophic emperor dissembled his follies, lamented his early death, and cast a decent veil over his memory. Um, 
I think that's a little harsh. The early years of their reign were marred by a war with the Parthians and the Armenians, which was concluded by Lucius fairly successfully. Unfortunately, the soldiers returning from Mesopotamia brought with them the Antonine Plague, which was probably smallpox. It may well have originated in Han China and moved west over the Silk Road. If that does not ring a bell with anyone, they're probably not paying attention. Um, it devastated the Roman Empire, killing some five to eight million people and severely disrupted the trade routes with India and Southeast Asia. As Emperor Marcus presided over an increase in persecution of Christians, um, he subsequently engaged in eight campaigns against the German, Germanic, and Sarmatian peoples along the Danube. Um, if he had a fault, it was that he named his biological son Commodus as Caesar and ruled jointly with him from 177. It's only the second time that an emperor was succeeded by a biological rather than an adopted son, and it did not turn out well. He died of natural causes rather than being smothered by Commodus and Vindabona, which is modern Vienna, in 180. The historian Herodian has said that alone of the emperors, he gave proof of his learning not by mere words or knowledge of philosophical doctrines, but by his blameless character and temperate way of life. He was severe to himself, indulgent to the imperfections of others, and just and beneficent to all mankind. So, quite a, quite a record there. Um, Tom, would you like to lead off a discussion of his stoicism and the, what that philosophy means to us today? Yeah, Richard, but before we get there, uh, the thing, um, everything you said about the introduction of uh, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire and meditations, I heartily agree with. I read meditations as a young teenager, and it, it greatly impacted me and influenced me. I later read um, the rise and fall, I think, uh, based on your recommendation, in my early 30s and, and found it to be just a delightful experience. Um, one of the, the greatest volumes of history I think I've ever read. Um, but in, in preparing for this podcast, I was struck about the education that Marcus Aurelius had and the rigor that he was given both in oratory, jurisprudence, and in philosophy. Uh, specifically, obviously, uh, Stoicism, but uh, that was only a part of his um, uh, tutorage, tutelage, and uh, I had not fully appreciated how well he had been prepared to be emperor uh, and how much the emperor uh, ha could engage in jurisp jurisprudence, uh, judging, uh, and um, rendering disputes, handling disputes, uh, going forward, uh, obviously, the perhaps not obviously, but many of the other emperors engaged in uh, much more Philistine activities than uh, jurisprudence. But I was very impressed how hard Marcus Aurelius studied, the rigor around his study. It talked about uh, being given hypotheticals to argue one side and then argue the other side against himself. Um, and that's that's about as hard a, a oratory and philosophical test as you can be given. So um, he had uh, uh, four main um, tutors. Uh, they uh, each brought uh, different quality to him. Um, 
And so I was, I was very much impressed by uh, the rigor of, of what his learning was in terms of the, the writings, the, the book meditations. He wrote that uh, in Greek as a source for his own guidance and self-improvement. Uh, on, he wrote it while on campaign against the Germans, as you mentioned, between uh, 170 and 180. And just to set the scene for our listeners this is the most powerful person in the world um, who can literally snap his fingers and have anything he wants, uh, but he also holds the complete power of life and death uh, over everyone uh, within his realm. And he is writing a book about self-improvement and stoicism <laughs> and uh, how to uh, – be of service through government work and through duty and what we now call stoicism, philosophy, and spirituality. And the, uh, to think that the most powerful person in the world would write that is, is also, I think, one of the great things about this book. Um, as, as we move, um, so the, the writing of a meditations, I think, is why he wrote it. Um, he, he wanted a self guide and, and perhaps he was articulating what he wanted and expected of himself, but it's left us all with, I think, a fabulous work of, uh, philosophy to not to simply live by, but to study and determine if this is, you know, the right philosophy for you. And, and if, if your, uh, philosophical bent is to take this and build upon it, uh, it's there for you to do so. And, um, I didn't keep a book on my bedside as an adult, but I still remember reading it and I have consulted it. So I hope our, our some of our listeners may be uh, so inclined, if not to read the entire six-volume set of Gibbon, perhaps uh, read um, uh, Marcus Aurelius. But many of the... Um, What's interesting and why I wanted to explore him, Richard, in a, in a uh, podcast on business leadership is many people uh, write about him today and talk about him today um, around uh, those lessons. So uh, what were some of the lessons that uh, you brought forward uh, for today's leader, business leader, uh, or perhaps life lessons from the meditations? The first thing about, about stoicism is the belief that it's uh, – that Stoics are miserable, and that seems to be untrue, that one of the real premises of Stoicism is to be happy with little. Um, you do have to recognize the, how ephemeral life is, um, but he did, he did lead a very simple life, and when you consider that he was probably the wealthiest man in the world, or if, if not, he was probably second to the emperor of China at the time, um, you know, he, he still slept on a camp bed. He, uh, he did not uh, hold big banquets. He, um, and he actually went on campaign uh, with the army in winter in, on the Danube, which is probably ultimately what killed him. But um, part of it, I guess, is the self-containment it requires that's, that's so appealing. Um, he also emphasizes things like forgiveness and practicing kindness that uh, have real echoes in, uh, in in Christian thought as well. But I think that you know, there, there are some lessons about leadership here. One of which is is lead by example. 
Um, the other one is um, to avoid pessimism overtaking you, that you need to be uh, to practice equanimity and ignore the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Um, I think those are probably the, the things that struck me most about, about uh, Aurelius's version of Stoicism. Richard, I forgot to mention that uh, lest anyone think we're dealing with a kind of an ancient system of philosophy, uh, Tom Wolfe wrote about uh, Stoicism in his book, A Man in Full, um, in the uh, 90s as part of the subplot of that book. And so I was gratified to see the discussion around philosophy uh, and Stoicism in that book. But if I could maybe take how I interpreted it a little bit differently, it's not to be satisfied with having little, it's to be satisfied with what you have. And that, that's how I was able to interpret this. Um, and if I can maybe turn to uh, some of the, the business lessons that uh, are used today. Um, one, uh, set your priorities. So figure out what's essential and uh, focus on that as you get larger and perhaps have more success uh, that can expand, but figure out what's important to you and do that. Um, two, and you touched upon this a couple of times, is uh, I think handling stress. And as a business leader, you're going to face numerous daily pressures, deadlines, commitments, investor expectations, um, customer expectations, etc. cetera. Uh, you have to navigate these pressures without becoming overly stressed. I recently saw an interview with um, Bob Iger um, before all of this um, coronavirus crisis and, and the economic dislocation of Disney Corporation. And he was uh, recording for a podcast and uh, he kind of offhandedly dropped, uh, yeah, 30 minutes ago, we closed a multi-billion dollar transaction. And 15 minutes later, he's sitting for a podcast about his book. And so you have to be able to compartmentalize uh, as a business leader. Um, stop procrastinating. Uh, you you have to uh, take advantage of the time you have, not waste time. Live every day as if it could be your last or at least uh, moving forward as well. And then the, the final one, we may have touched upon this a little bit in this podcast, but we have not really uh, developed uh, certainly an entire episode to it. Uh, and it's certainly not something men talk about, which is how to manage fear. And um, I won't presuppose to talk for you, but I've been fearful in my business career. <laughs> and I've been fearful when I was in the practice of law. I've been fearful when I work for a corporation. I've been fearful as a solo entrepreneur. Uh, and I think fear is is something that all of us have to uh, to deal with in our own way. And if you're going to be successful in business uh, against competition, you have to be innovative, and that requires taking risks. And uh, we do talk about on this podcast risk management and identification, measurement of risk, analysis of risk, putting in uh, risk management strategies, but. For, to be successful, you have to take risks, and you may have to take risks in a way that no one else does. The Stoics uh, call this a premeditation of evils, and I don't think it's evil, but it's simply uh, you're, you're going to have to uh, step out there and, and 
more than once over the past six weeks, some of my stress has moved to fear in, in this time of economic dislocation. Uh, but uh, recognize that you have to manage that. And even if the dreaded outcomes occurs, when I kind of slip into that thinking, uh, I start thinking, okay, what are you going to do about it? What are the potential uh, risk management strategies that I could employ now to prevent the risks that I face in my current business from moving to a fear that could lead to a business dislocation all the way up to a business failure? So uh, learning to, to manage that fear, uh, and I guess for men, you have to acknowledge you do have fear first, but uh, there are uh, really, I think really does help you and stoicism does help you in management of, of risk and management of fear. Well, I think that premeditation what are your is thoughts, a Richard? really interesting concept. Um, the idea of imagining what is the worst possible outcome and, you know, in a business context, it's not death as Roman emperor it was, um, but that's, I guess, the other part of the Stoic mentality is that you're going to die somehow, and you could die of a get hit by lightning or die of apoplexy tomorrow too. So, don't worry about that. Um, and and most of the other things come down to others can only hurt you if you let them. Um, you need to be totally self-contained in your opinion of yourself. And the only thing to be ashamed of is your own uh, weaknesses and flaws. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting was the avoidance or, or the emphasis on empathy for other people. Um, when you felt that someone would had behaved poorly, it might mean that you simply did not have all the facts at hand. And I think that's a really important lesson for a business leader and that frequently people are doing things for reasons that you hadn't really considered. Um, maybe it's selfish on their part. Maybe it's just an error. But um, unless you communicate about it, it's not going to be helpful. And then Marcus apparently suffered most of his life from a bad temper, which in a man with the power of life and death over everyone is kind of a <laughs> serious, serious flaw. But so he... Uh, he says the thing to do is to remember that life is short and you shouldn't spend time and energy anguishing over things. And I guess to double back to the, the thing about evils, I found an interesting distinction between fear and anxiety. And fear is fear of something that actually is bad. Anxiety is worrying about things that might happen. And anxiety is counterproductive. Um, whereas fear is probably hardwired in us. I guess that's what I have to say about that. There's a couple of uh, points I'd like to add, or, or perhaps a, a different uh, angles, Richard, that I thought uh, came out of uh, meditations for me. One is uh, do what's in front of you, do what's essential, uh, figure out what you need to get done and do that. That, of course, ties into don't press procrastinate. But a couple of others are related. Live in the present moment, um, that really ties to what you just talked about in terms of both fear and anxiety. But if you live in the present and deal with uh, doing what's essential, it can help you work through both anxiety and fear. And then finally, uh, he actually talks about habits and the Stoics talk about habits and they talk about writing down their maxims and that once you uh, do something long enough, it becomes a habit. 
people continually tell me we you're so committed, you're so diligent about working out. Well, that's just a habit. And, uh, you know, I started it in junior high school and I've continued it. And if I don't do it, I don't feel like I've made my full day because of the way I feel. So uh, things that may appear to be work can become habits um, and then part of your regular routine if you do them. And, and I thought those were also some, some good tips for leaders uh, as well. Well, but you, you also need to remember that habits can be both good and bad. Um, and you need to be careful. <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> Nor I. But, uh, but anyway, it's, uh, so, but it's something to be aware of. Uh, repeating bad things is forming bad habits as well. So, Richard, we have, in kind of summary for me, we have a hugely important figure in history, uh, one of the five good emperors, uh, certainly an important part of the Roman Empire legacy. I was struck in reading about uh, Marcus Aurelius as an emperor, how hard he worked, and people actually said, leave some time for yourself, take a, take a couple of days off. Uh, and uh, he didn't. He, he thought the work of the emperor was so important and that he took on so much. Um, so and then, of course, you, you correctly reminded me of how great uh, Gibbon is and rereading those sections on Gibbon. And then the book Meditations, we both have read and it obviously has both impacted both of our lives. Uh, and I would urge anyone listening to this podcast to, if you don't want to go through Gibbon, and I'll, I'll grant you that, although I would suggest you should. Uh, Meditations is a great book to, to read, and, and you can pick it up and put it down and, and get lots of different thoughts. So um, having that this figure in history uh, write a book of such significance, uh, I think, is uh, doubly important and why we should, all of us should consider these uh, issues and topics today and how uh, even today in um, 2020, we both find him still relevant for not only our personal lives, but also for uh, the business leader as well. I agree. And if you find meditations a little taxing, depending on the translation you've got, it can be a little uh, little tough sledding. Uh, there are several recent books out on, on living a stoic life and how it can uh, increase your productivity and happiness. So you can take a look at those too. Well, on that note, uh, this is Richard Lummis and Tom Fox with 12 O'Clock High. We hope you'll listen in next time and uh, signing off for now. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of 12 O'Clock High, where we looked at leadership lessons from Marcus Aurelius. I hope you'll join Richard and I again next week, where we take up leadership lessons from the life of William Howard Taft. 12 O'Clock High is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. I hope you'll join us again next week, and we look forward to visiting with you. Thanks so much for listening today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>